Good morning, Rock Hills Faith Community. Thanks for joining us on Sunday, May 3rd. If you're joining us for the first time or if you're new to joining us on the internet, we're really happy that you're here. My name's Stephen. I'm part of the teaching team here. This is my first time to actually teach into a camera. So if my eyes don't look at the right spot, please forgive me. We do socially distance here, so I am ready with my mask and my, uh, my hand sanitizer. Um, you may also notice that uh, as part of the new normal, my hair has been socially distanced from a good pair of scissors for quite some time. My, uh, I normally think this is an okay thing because every once in a while I convince myself that I want to grow my hair a little bit longer. But the problem I have is that my hair, when it's longer, grows up and out. So it never looks like Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall. I look kind of like a deranged symphony conductor whenever my hair gets long, so it's not good. Although I did get a little bit of good news on that front because I put a picture of myself and my family on Facebook at Easter time, and my mom saw it, and I was telling her about it, how my hair was bugging me because it was kind of long, and she said, oh, but you know what you notice when your hair is a little longer? You notice how white it's become. She didn't say gray. She said, you notice how white it's become. And then she kept encouraging me by saying, and you know, your hair is such a pretty color of white. You should really let it grow longer, keep it a little bit longer so people can see that pretty color of white. And I just thought, wow, this is what my life has become, having my hair longer so that people can see the pretty color of white. But I guess it's all part and parcel of the new normal of masks and hand sanitizer and long hair. It's been interesting how this new normal has really taken hold of our minds. I mean, I find myself, if I watch a movie that I'm even familiar with, and I see people getting together, shaking each other's hands, hugging, or, you know, just being together in a closed space, there's a little part of my brain that says, hey, you can't do that. You're not, I mean, I don't think it for real, but I do notice. And that's part of the social norm that we are getting to. And I've been thinking a lot about What is our normal? Because we're in the middle of a series called God is Good. And our understanding of what good means has something to do with what we think is normal. I think it's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking, okay, whatever I think is the base case and normal, I'm going to say God is good if he gives me something more than that. If you're around a faith community at all, you'll hear people tell about, I prayed and I got a job, or I was sick and I prayed and I got better. And God is good because he helped me. And that is certainly one of the ways that God shows his love to us. It's one of the ways that God shows he's good. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells people that even human beings who are sinful give their children good gifts. How much more so will God the Father give good gifts to his children when they ask. So there's examples in the scripture and even from Jesus of God giving good gifts. But I don't think that is the only definition, the only way that we know that God is good. There is a verse that you will hear quoted a lot to explain about God being good. And it's in the book of Romans, chapter eight, verse 28. And it says, for we know that things work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That verse is 
another definition of God being good. And I like to think about the person that wrote those words. So the person that wrote those words was Paul. And Paul was a Jewish leader in the very early times, right after uh, Jesus died and was crucified and rose again. And he used his a power and authority that he had as a Jewish leader, as a Pharisee, to persecute followers of Jesus, to persecute people who followed what they called the way. And one time Paul, who was then called Saul, did as he was on his way to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus appeared to him as a blinding light and said to him, Saul, Saul, using his original name, why are you persecuting me? He said, Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, and you are persecuting me. And from that moment forward, Paul, Saul, who changed his name to Paul, became a follower of Jesus and one of the founders of the early church, one of the first great missionaries. He is the person who has written the most of the New Testament. He is a person who led many, many people to follow Jesus, and he is the one who wrote those words that all things work together for good. But if we look at his life, we do not see that his life was full of comfort. In another letter that he wrote to the Corinthians called 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, he talks about some of the things he's gone through in his ministry because both the early Jews and the early Romans did not look favorably on people who were following Jesus. And Saul, who was on his way to Damascus with the specific intent of finding followers of the way so that he could persecute them, had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And from that moment forward, Saul, who changed his name to Paul, ended up following Jesus He was one of the founders of our early faith and our early churches. He started many churches in the time right after Jesus lived. And he was a great missionary. And Paul is the one who wrote these words. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, in another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he describes some of the things he went through in his ministry. And this is things that he went through before he wrote this letter in Romans. He was beaten with rods three times. He was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned, which means that people threw rocks at him with the intent of killing him, and he survived that. Not only that, he was given 39 lashes, that punishment, five times. For those of you who don't know about 39 lashes, 40 lashes was considered the death penalty. And if they wanted to cause you as much pain as they could without killing you, they gave you 39. And Paul endured that five times. And yet, Paul writes that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I don't think that Paul there is talking about the idea that everything will work out in our lives in terms of comfort and wealth and health. He must be talking about something else. 
And I think what Paul is talking about there is the good news of the gospel. Paul talks in other places in the book of Romans about this good news. He tells people that everybody, everybody has sinned, which means they've done things that God has said we should not do. And that the penalty for that sin is death, which means separation from God. Because God, you see, is a God of justice and says that when people do things that are wrong, there has to be a penalty for the wrongdoing. We are a people who cry out for justice. When we see wrongdoing, we want justice, and God is a God of justice. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in our stead, who lived a sinless life and died in our stead to pay the penalty for us. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, was crucified and rose again to pay the penalty for our sin. And all we have to do, this is what Paul tells us, all we have to do is believe in Jesus and his sacrifice for us and we will be forgiven for our sins. This is the good news beyond any job, beyond any health issue, beyond any material blessing, that God loves us enough personally to die for us. You know, I am a science guy. I have done science all of my adult life. And I would say most of the people that I work with believe that we are just a big bag of chemicals. And if there is a God out there, there's no way that he knows us personally. But that's not what Paul tells us is the good news. Paul tells us that God loves us so much that he died for us personally. Other places in scripture tell us that God knew us before we were knitted together in our mother's womb. That's in Psalm 139. That is the good news of the gospel. Now, some of you out there may be also more sciencey and saying, I just can't believe stuff like this. This is some kind of a story. And that's fine. You can, ever, you can be in that spot. And at Rock Hills, we say come as you are, which means you don't have to believe anything specifically to come and be part of our group. But if you'd like to talk more about that, I have some great resources and I'm happy to talk with you. If you'd like to talk about, you know, how can I even believe something like this? I would be really happy to strike up that conversation. You can write me at stephen at rockhills.com, S-T-E-P-H-E-N at rockhills.com. And we can talk about it. We can Zoom. We can do lots of stuff. I'm kind of a talker anyway, so I would have a great time talking with you. Please give me, drop me a line and we can talk about this. But this is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus really lived, really died, and really rose again as to pay the penalty for our sins. This is how we know that God is good. Now, when we think about our new normal and um, when we think about God being good in the midst of our normal, I want to caution us about one thing. One thing that th situations like this pandemic can do is it can really poke holes in the kind of illusion that we live in. Our normal can sometimes be a bit of an illusion. The illusion that I have a lot is that I am in control of what happens to me, right? I've taken care of myself, I've studied hard, I've done well, I'm in control. But when something like this current pandemic happens, we learn very quickly that we're not in control. 
And actually, as much as I feel like I'm in control, I'm also kind of a worst-case scenario person. So I can, I'm given to little periods of anxiety, and I've had some of that. And something that God has placed on my mind during this pandemic is an idea that has really helped me out. You know, the Bible says not only that God knew us before we were born, but it also says that God knows the number of our days. He knows how many days we will live. He knows how many months we will live. That is known. Jesus actually said himself in Matthew chapter 7 that we shouldn't worry because nobody by worrying can add even a day to his life. The idea is there that God knows the days of our lives and wants to love us and be with us during those days. And something that I have realized that is very important for me has really helped me out is that nothing about this current situation has changed those number of days. Those number of days that have been known to God have been known to him from before time, and that has not changed. It's easy to become anxious and worry because we think that this virus is changing things, but it really hasn't. God has known us and loved us with this knowledge in mind. Now, I want to give us some kind of, um, a kind of practical exercise or activity that we can do together during the week as we think about how God is good to us. I'm going to call this two and two. Now, there are some of you out there that are old enough to know two and two from a certain TV show that was on, you know, in the 80s, the best uh, decade that ever happened. But some of you may not know it, but I'm going to give us some things I'd like us to do every day. I'd prefer or I'd recommend doing it in the morning. I've been doing this and I've found it really helpful. I want us, the first two is two passages of scripture that I'd like us to say out loud if we can. The first passage is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 that describes how God is with us in the good times and the bad. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You create a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I like the passage because I think you can divide it, the first three verses and the second. You can think of the first three verses as the period, or I do, as the period before the pandemic, before the crisis, and the second three verses talking about how God is with us during the crisis. It starts out in thinking of the days before, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want In the good days, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. In the good days, he led me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake so that I could be ready when the times got tough, so that I could be ready having practiced what's in the paths of righteousness. Then he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even during the worst of coronavirus, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And when my situation, whatever it is, gets to the very worst, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. No matter how bad it gets, his love for me is such that my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Those days that are already known to him, he will be there and be good and merciful. And I know how the end game is. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the first passage I would encourage you. It's Psalm 23. Find it in your Bible. I would encourage you to say it out loud. The second passage is something that you may already know. It's a really simple passage. It's found in Matthew 6. It's the Lord's Prayer. I would encourage you to say that. I would really encourage you to read all of the Lord's Prayer uh, and all of Matthew 6 around it that tells you that it is an example. It isn't that Jesus said you have to say these words. He said this is an example of how you should pray. In fact, he says... Don't call attention to yourself when you pray. Don't make prayers just to call attention to yourself. And he also says that you don't have to use a lot of fancy words because, he says, God already knows what you need. You can pray simply because God already knows what you need. I love this because it says that the prayer is not about passing your checklist over to God. He doesn't need the checklist. The prayer is about the relationship. The prayer is about telling God that you need him and you appreciate the love that he has for you. The Lord's prayer that we, many of us know, goes like this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this day, our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Simple, not worrying about tomorrow, asking God to give us what we need for the day. I think it's really encouraging. It is encouraging to me because, as I've said, I tend to border on the anxious and on the worst case scenario. And it really helps me focus on what do I need to do to be in communication with God today, not worrying about tomorrow. That's the first two, those two passages, Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is say out loud two things that are good during this period of uh, the quarantine. I'd encourage you, just say them out loud. I would say, if you're a person of faith, say it as an example of things that you know where God is good. But if you're not in that spot on your journey, just say some things that are good. I've got a real silly one. I used to be the world's worst at wasting paper towels. Really did. Little tiny spill, you know, teaspoonful, get a paper towel, clean it up. But since this started, we've driven our paper towel use to almost zero because they're scarce. And I think to myself, why was I wasting? It's a silly little thing. Say out loud something that is good. I'm also really thankful. I've talked before about how empty nesting was really hard for me. And now I've got my kids with me. I can know they're safe. And it's a really good thing about 90% of the time. Really love having those kids there. That's a very good thing. And we've been spending time together as a family. It's been really good. I encourage you, say those things out loud, the two and two. 
say Psalm 23 and say the Lord's Prayer out loud and then saying two things you're thankful for, two ways that God is good. So we've got the new normal, folks. The new normal is changing a little bit for us here in Texas, but it's still forever changed at least a little bit. As we go through this, let's remember that God is good not because he gives us things, although he does. It's not that our life has to be perfect to see his goodness. Our goodness is seen in the fact that God loved us so much personally that he sent his son Jesus to take our place. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you sent your son to take our place, to take the punishment for us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you know us. We thank you that you know us personally. You know the number of our days. We thank you that this pandemic did not surprise you, that your love for us is a promise that transcends the pandemic or any crisis we face now or in the future. We pray for those that are anxious, including myself, that you would bring your peace. We pray that we would depend on you for what we need for the day and that we would be in communication with you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything, please write to us at prayer at rockhills.com. If you have physical needs, you can also write us at prayer at rockhills.com. Or if you have questions about how do I enter a personal relationship with Jesus? What was this talking about? Can you give me more information? Please write us at prayer at rockhills.com. We're very happy that you joined us today. Please join us next week for Mother's Day. It's something uh, uh, very special that's coming. Uh, Fathers, you're not off the hook for Mother's Day. Even though there's a pandemic on, you are required to do something for the mothers of your children. Please make sure that that happens. Thank you for joining us and have a great week.